Okay, we're back. My name is Kevin Butler. This is Barely Millennial. There we go. We back. What's right, man. Technical difficulties. A little bit, a little bit, but it's all good. I'm good, man. How about yourself? Pretty good, pretty good. Just keeping it going, keeping it rolling. Uh, you know, it's uh, this is a very interesting time in the world right now. So, uh, whatever, uh, whatever plans and thoughts I had that was uh, that I was going about before, none of that exists anymore. Um, everything changes. You know, this is a new. There's no rules for this. There's no books for this. There's nobody who knows more than I do. Uh, everybody's kind of on the even playing field right now with this uh, COVID nineteen shutdown and the kind of uh, economic doom that's going on. <laughs> I feel it. Yeah, it's really, it's really even playing field, you know, whoever's going to do something with it, is on the ones that are going to come out with something out of it, you know, at least that's how I look at it. Yeah, the people that are prepared the most are the people that are going to work the hardest uh, and, you know, take, the, take, take some risks, take some chances and keep a, um, see what comes out of it. Definitely. That's I've been preaching that since day one. It's crazy that you say that. But, uh, man, it's really good to see you. Like, like I said, it's been a really long time and, you know, I just want to know like what you've been up to, you know, like, and you told me you started your own company. Like, I want to know, first of all, the first thing I want to know is like how that got started. Like, where did that, how did that get started? But before that, you know, I want to do a little bit of catch up, you know, just cause it's been so long. Like, you know, just tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, you know, what you've been on was, you know, what's new, you know? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, 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 man. I, last time I saw you, you was a little youngin, man. So, uh, it's glad to see the young people growing up, doing their thing, doing something positive. Uh, but yeah, man, I'm, uh, um, you know, I'm, uh, let's see, 36 years old, uh, you know, single dad and, uh, you know, just trying to, you know, make it out here. And so, uh, you know, when I was younger, when I was in my twenties, uh, you know, I had a lot of like uh, labor jobs and things like that. And so I always wanted to make a bunch of money. And so, uh, I was always good with computers and technology. So, you know, I took myself to computer school and, uh, rather than going to a four-year college, uh, I took myself to vocational computer school and within, you know, 18 months I was working. <clears throat> and so from there, uh, I got it kind of introduced to the uh, tech world, right? I worked at, uh, my first job was, uh, at and mm-hmm. uh, fixing, uh, internet DSL, uh, DSL was brand new back in the day. So it was, uh, you know, you guys don't know what DSL is, but, uh, it was, it was internet. It was fast internet to us. So I was uh, doing that. And then just for the past 15 years or 15 or so years, just doing, you know, in and out of tech jobs and stuff like that. And then, um, I guess, well, my business, the entrepreneur kind of business journey actually started well before this business. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a lot of like little failed little ideas, projects. I don't know if I really call them startups or, or businesses, but they were ways to make money and there were ways to where I collect the money, right? That's what I call it. You know, is where I collect the money and I, I do what I have to do with it. But yeah, you know, just trying to, you know, I, I remember starting off in like, uh, you know, when I was in my teenagers, I had bought this little this little uh, device, and it reads the uh, scanners from your car. And so back in the day, you had to go to a mechanic to do that. And so I bought one and was charging people money on the side, and I can do it myself, right? So you can know what's wrong with your car. You pay me fifty bucks, and you know back in the day, it was costing one hundred and fifty dollars to do that. Mm-hmm. So that it, like that kind of mindset, I always had it, but it was always on a smaller scale. And so being in technology. Um, uh, where the entrepreneurship really came from is, you know, I live in the Bay Area, you know, uh, everywhere is a startup, right? Everybody wants to start their own business. And so um, this was in the early 2000s. So, you know, your Googles and your Facebooks, none of that stuff, Google existed, but none of that stuff existed to where we, what we know now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you didn't have mobile phones, you know, barely laptops existed. Everybody had desktops. Uh, there wasn't, you know, those kind of things. So uh, fast forward to all that. And, uh, you know, using my experience in my free field and understanding, you know, how business works, decided to try my hand at uh, my own uh, cybersecurity business. Dope, dope. So you said you went to a vocational school instead of a four-year college. What was that process like? Because that was something that I had considered, but then I was still on the hype of, man, I want to go get that college experience. You know, I want to do Yeah, and that's, and that's a very interesting thing that you say that. And so, you know, I had... I didn't have really good grades. Actually, I had very poor grades, mm-hmm. and uh, but college was always an option because I was a decent test taker. That's you know that's that's kind of the weird kind of caveat about that is that you could have poor grades but be a good test taker. Um, 
And so, yeah, the vocational school at the time, it was called Healed. It was a technical college and they were kind of, you know, marketing themselves as, you know, we'll train you on this in 18 months, you can get a good job. And at that time, the market, the job market was so hot for people in that industry, they could, they could guarantee that you'd get a job. It was, you know, you know, 10 years later, they went out of business for fraudulent practices. But at the time, there were so many jobs available for my industry that they could promise you a job. Mm-hmm. And so uh, vocational school, you know, you skip all the, the Englishes, the maths, the, you know, the geographies, and you pretty much dive right into your field. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the hands-on training, you know, we had some offsite visits at customers that they had uh, worked, that made partners with. Um, so, yeah, you're, you're getting on-the-ground training, um, real-life technical training from people who either work in the industry during the day or at night, and they're kind of, you know, teaching on the side. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a much different experience. And then I, you know, I also attended community college for seven years as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that it's a much different experience, right? You know, you switch to community college, you know, you got your Englishes, you got your, um, your histories, your maths, you know, all that regular stuff. So, and it's interesting that you say that, cause I know there's a lot of like, like I said, hype about, oh, you got to go to a four year to do You know, whatever. Right. But it's like, if you, if you go to a vocational school, the demand is high enough to the, to where you can kind of skip all that kind of like you did, right? Like you, you got the job right after, right after you finished school or was there like a period where you had to find it or something? Uh, I actually, to be honest with you, I actually didn't finish the vocational school, uh, right away. I had actually got the job at AT&T. Uh, at the time I was kind of, you know, young, kind of goofing off and, but I always had that hustle mindset mm-hmm. and I was able to get the job at t before I even graduated. I took some time what? off. See, that only further proves my point. You didn't even need to finish the vocational school. You was able to get the job off the bat just because of what you, you knew. Like, so what was the process like of getting that job? Like, how did you show them that you were, you were basically worthy without having kind of you know you said you had community college but without having that degree like people hold the degree over you like oh you got to have a good degree to do this but you said nah i i can do just i can do x y and z without a degree so how do you go about proving that you know well the thing about the thing about uh about the degree thing is that i, I as an employer myself i require uh it's in you know the job descriptions that i post and people apply without um degrees all the time and so it's it's kind of when I see someone apply who doesn't have a degree, I necessarily don't say uh, you're excluded from the job. I'll say, well, what makes you think you're so special? And I'll maybe give you extra take a look and I'll say, OK, you know, maybe maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't. And so the degree part is a filter, right? You know, you filter people out who say, well, high school is the bare minimum, right? Everybody has to do high school. Well, if you do college, that means that you have something extra in you or somebody maybe have pushed you. Maybe you have the right training, home, home training mm-hmm. to um, to get you to the next level. And that's something that I want. I want something that somebody's going to do more than just the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. So that's usually like when I think of college, I necessarily don't think of all the education because education means absolutely nothing in the job world. Right. You, have, you know, um, so it, that's what it, that's what the way I see it when it comes to college education is that if you if you're the type of person who can out hustle. Uh, and when I say hustle, I mean, outwork, outthink, work, stay later, come early, um, never say no. Um, you know, do do the things that you need to get the job done. Always learning, be humble, make mistakes. Then you're going to you're going to win. But, you know, um, you will have to work harder than anyone else if you decide not to go that route. Mm-hmm. Um, so. That's the way I see college is, is it's, it's a little odd, you know, by the time my, my daughter is a teenager, by the time she gets older, college may not be around like it is now, or it may just be too expensive anyways. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's the way I see that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like that's so from my experience working at Kaiser um, in the IT department, that's a lot of the um, feedback and advice that the people that I'm working with have given me is that. Um, colleges like they like they like basically like you said like they use the degree to filter people out but but ultimately it comes down to what are what can you produce you know like what can you do um especially when i was on the automation team where we made automation tools to support our coworkers. they were um, my mentors in that team they basically said that if they were hiring they would look at okay what projects have you done like what can you show me do you have anything on GitHub? Like, are you active in the in the like online communities? Like, are you helping people? Have you taught people? You know, they're really more focused on the experience, and that's coming from experienced people. You know, so that was like, yeah, I fully agree with you there about about college. Yeah, and, 
Yeah, and, and what I've also noticed, and, and so going back to the little timeline here, I started with vocational school, and then there was a point in my career, I think it was maybe like around year five or six or seven, and I had worked at a bunch of companies by then, and I was technically more competent than anyone I they were hiring at these companies. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of I kind of hit a, a ceiling to where I'm like, okay, I want the next level, and the next level was management. Okay. Well, that was where the the, the they, they started explaining, oh, well, you don't have a degree, so we can't technically promote you to manager. We can give you a supervisor or a team lead role, but we really can't promote you to a manager because you don't really have the qualifications for that. So the, the, the bell ran off in my head. Okay, I'll get a. Uh, I'll get a, you know, a bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. So, uh, coincidentally enough, all the vocational credits that I took in did not apply to traditional school, even though they told me it was going to. So I started from the bare bottom. I'm, I'm, what am I? 20, I'm 27 years old taking classes with 18, 19 year olds, uh, in community college because I'm thinking ahead, like, okay, in a few years, time goes by fast. I can, you know, get my two year degree and then get my four year degree and be done with it. Mm-hmm. So during that whole time, I mean, it obviously took me much longer than four years to get a four-year degree, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I finished, and by the time I was finished, I was, what, 31? And by then, I was like, I don't really need this, like, working through the whole time. I I hit a point where I'm like, I don't really need a degree. I can just start my own business. Like, everybody I had worked with, everybody I worked for was an entrepreneur, Mm. They had borrowed, you know, either they started money from their friends or maybe they maybe they bootstrapped it or something. And, you know, they were, you know, they hired hundreds of, you know, hundreds of people. So I got the, the brain in my head and plus some other influences that we can talk about later uh, that got me into uh, starting my own business. So the educational game is definitely something you don't want to kind of shudder and say, well, I, want, I can do it another way. But there are other ways to do it. It's not the only way that I guess society promotes it, especially because college is so expensive now. Mm-hmm. You could probably save that college money, you know, buy yourself a house and still kind of hustle your way through life. Mm-hmm. Uh, because otherwise you're going to be spending 10, 15, 20, 30 years paying student loans. Right, right. Man, that's that's crazy. So um, I'm curious, like, so where did you have, when, at, at what point, like in this story, basically, like, did you have your daughter? Because I know that, you said you're a single dad, so I, mm-hmm. I'm imagining that that really played a factor in how you kind of continued that career path. Uh, I was 20 years old when I had my when I had my child, my daughter, and uh, which is one of the worst times to have it for a young black man. You know, 20 years old, you know, situations with the mom or whatever. You know, you're just young, and it's not really the time to take on such a huge uh, burden um, as a young man. I mean, uh, you know, you you can use the excuse of what well, made me into a better man. It took me a long time to get that way. It sure didn't make me that way right, you know, day one. You know, it took me a long time, made a lot of mistakes. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, it was kind of a wise, a wise to the youngins, you know, you, you want to hold off on that if you can. You know, you, you can't undo a lot of stuff, but if you can make the choice, you want to hold off until you, you kind of got your life right in. The world was much different for me. You know, I'm talking like an old head, right? Like, oh, it's, you know, y'all younger. Talk, talk, no, no, no. Talk that the, world, the world was much different. And when, it, when I say the world was much different was... The dollar is more expensive now. It's less valuable. Inflation is super high. There is a significant amount of other cultures that are coming to regions like the Bay Area, uh, places like Seattle, Los Angeles, Austin, you know, New York City. So where there's much more competition in the workspace now. It's the global workspace. It's no longer your region workspace, like kind of what I was having. Like it was, it's a global workspace now. You, And so, um, yeah, you know. Yeah. Especially with COVID, like now things are even more global, like. It's, it's just been blown way, way higher than it even was. Yeah, man, it's, it's crazy with the COVID stuff. <laughs> yeah, working from home has been a transition, you know. But, you know, and I, I've – so I'm really curious about how did you manage having a daughter and being a single dad and putting yourself through school and having your own business, you know? Because I, I feel like – I don't like, I know I don't know your story too intimately, but I feel like – having a daughter and trying to manage that, all of that at the same time. It's like, like you said, like, it's been like, you learned a lot, like just picturing it. Like, you know, I just, I'm glad I don't have, I'm trying not to have no kids right now, you know, but it's just like, I, I, just, I always think about like, how would I handle that? You know, I know times are different right now, but I always picture myself in those situations and I can only imagine that not only was it a lot to take on, but the fact that you made it here and through all that and you still got your daughter and you still rocking it and you got your own company. 
like you had to have gained a lot of wisdom from that so let us know like what's some of that wisdom that you gained uh so you know having a child when you're young um it's interesting because and first of all i had a lot of help from family mm-hmm. but family only gets you to a certain place and so it was kind of like you know i guess it was the what single mothers do right like i was just it happened to be a dad but it's what single mothers do woke up in the morning took the kid to school uh came home the kid did homework we did homework and then after she went to bed i would just continue working on my side business or you know if i had to do extra work or something and then on weekends i would just be working all weekend and so that was that that was that kind of hustle mentality because in my mind i always was trying to prove myself and during that time of trying to prove myself i learned so much i, I made so many mistakes that's the, you know basically how you know the learning process goes was you make mistakes so i made so many mistakes that i just kept learning from them and so mistakes in the beginning was like oh my gosh i made a mistake but now when i make mistakes it's just like okay i learned something what now i know what not to do mm-hmm. um so yeah the you know when it comes to the wisdom there's no real, you know, I don't, I have the wisdom maybe of a person of my age and my experience, but I mean, that's only because I made mistakes. That's only because I got, the wisdom I can share with you is because I've done something I wasn't supposed to do or I shouldn't have done. And I can say, hey, you know, you're, you're, you haven't done this yet. It's probably not a good idea to do this. Or maybe in some instances, it's like, yeah, you want to do this. I feel it. Like, even, and I'm not, like, I'm not, I'm not old. Like, I'm still, I'm almost 20. But I feel like I made a lot of mistakes, too. And it's like, I feel like I undervalued the mistake. You know, I've undervalued the learning experience, you know, because it's like making that many mistakes and making those like impactful mistakes. It's, it feels like I've, I feel a lot wet, better off and a lot more wise than if I had made those those mistakes, you know. Mm-hmm. So I definitely agree with you 100 percent on that. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, some of these quotes I hear, you know, from people, you're not making progress if you're not making mistakes. That's because there's no other way that you're going to get ahead if you're doing something that you don't know what to do, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So, and then I feel like most of that comes from people trying to work alone, right? Yeah, that's another that's another thing is that I, I personally would not advise someone to kind of work alone because. Um, you can start kind of eating away at yourself. Your self-esteem gets kind of messed up. Um, I don't personally have like issues with like depression, but you can be in your own head too much where your mind starts to kind of grind at itself and, you know, you use up your own energy. So I I would recommend and and something that I'm doing now, 36 years old, 37 years old is like trying to surround myself. And it sounds cliche, right? Surround yourself with people who think like you. And it sounds so sounds so cliche because everybody says that, but it's like true because someone, you know, maybe you surround yourself with somebody who doesn't necessarily have to have the same skill set as you, but they're surrounding themselves. It's like they always want more, 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 more. I want more of this. I'm not satisfied with how I'm living. I want more money. I want, you know, extra this. I want, you know, something. They're always trying to surround, uh, uh, get more of something. And so those people, they're never satisfied. So they're always on the go. They're always on the go. And so they're never going to be complacent. You're really going to see them hanging out, kicking it, being lazy. They're always trying to figure out how to get improve something in their life. So that's a, that's a huge thing that I would say to anybody is surround yourself with other people who are, who are trying to do something similar like you. Definitely. Definitely. That, and that's not cliche. Like I've had to learn that many times over in my short lifetime, like at least three, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's not, it's not that crazy. Like, and it's not, it's not cliche. Cause it's, it's not something that's taught within our communities. You know, it's not like building a team. It's like that hustle mentality. You know, that's what, that's kind of what we were taught or more so you, I don't want to appropriate your culture, but I know that's mostly what y'all was taught. And then I kind of, I kind of caught the the end of that a little bit, you know, because I feel like I came in my generation, I came because of people in your generation kind of leading the way and making it easier for people in our generation, you know? So learning from, people like you that are in the position that have done the work, you know, you've made the mistakes and you've learned and you've, and now you're able, well, thankfully, you know, you're able to share your wisdom, you know? So like attracts like, that's right. You know? And then also there's another layer to that. I feel like, because when you, I feel like when you are that person, like when you are trying to become the best version of yourself, you know, and you're just being that go-getter and you're not taking no no's and you just going for it. Right. And then you hanging out with people that are not, 
it's very easy for those people to hate on you and then like bring your energy down and you know that's something and like you could feel that you know especially me like i've as i've that's kind of been that person my whole life you know i could feel it may not be a direct you know they might not say something directly to you but when you are with somebody and you're talking about yourself and you're like the things that you're proud of that you did and then they're like you know it's just a vibe you can catch it and it's like you got to be careful you got to protect yourself you know Exactly, man. Two words never said by anybody, man. And, and it's something, when you mentioned the culture, we're, we're of the same culture. I noticed you said we were different cultures. We're the same culture. We're just, just, just much older. You know, I'm just, just much older. <laughs> but, but when it comes to the culture, especially like me being in technology, right? I mean, I go to, I've probably been to hundreds of companies in my career. And being Af- African-American people are so underrepresented in a technology field, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you may work at a tech company. But you may do marketing or you may be the receptionist or you may be doing something with uh, diversity or something. But the technical work field is so dominated by other cultures that when you are doing that, like, in, in the, you know, uh, you know, you're doing it in your family and, you know, you got your friends and maybe they're doing something else. You're coming off as like a square. Right. And that's one of the most hardest things to deal with as being a young black male. I had to deal with it for a long time being called a square because you're trying to better yourself. And so then your mind is like, well, I ain't no square. You know, square means punk or, you know, there's a whole bunch of other adjectives besides square that you don't want to associate yourself with. So then your mind starts saying, well, I'm going to be doing this because I ain't no square. And that's where that's where it starts going all to the bad. And so when it comes to that kind of stuff, it's it's very rare, even for like, when, you know, when I heard about you had a podcast, I'm like, what? He's got a podcast? You know how many podcasts I see of people your age uh, playing video games, smoking weed, drinking, doing stuff they're not supposed to be doing? That is typical standard of people, your generation, and I see very few people who are positive about that, trying to, uh, and who, who also want to empower other uh, black Americans, right? You see people that necessarily, not everybody wants to empower, uh, you know, the culture. They just want to kind of get theirs and run. Mm-hmm. And so that's rare. And so uh, it's good good that, you know, I'm able to connect with somebody like you to say, you know, who's on the same page, man. Age ain't got nothing to do with it, man. Two, two, young, two young black men yeah. trying to do that, man. And other people see this and they say, okay, well, maybe I don't have to be uh, you know, a rapper or a sports player or something that they always try to promote. We be, we we can do other things besides chasing a ball, entertaining people, uh, you know, rapping or something. There's other jobs we can do, and that's not promoted. So just being the fact that two people come together and promote it is a good thing that can be shared with others. Definitely, definitely. You know, that's why, you know, that's why we came up with this, because we really wanted to show that there's another way, you know. Like you said, like, you know, it's – I, it's so funny the way, like the way that you broke it down, like how people, you said people called you a square and like you had to, you kind of had to fight that, right? Like you had to like say, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I don't, it don't, I, it's not bad for me to want to be better, you know? Like, exactly. It's like, and it's like, I really felt that because like I've, I've had, I've had to deal through the, with the same thing. Like, you know, those things, they, they kind of, they kind of perpetuate themselves, you know, that negativity, like it, it'd go from being a square to, well, you're a nerd or, you know, man, what, oh, nerd, like, man, nerd. Like, Man, nerd was one of the back in my day. A nerd was a severe level of disrespect. It it, it was you know I, I can't think of something that's real disrespectful now. But back in the day, a nerd was very highly disrespectful. And just a few years after that, I mean, nerds became billionaires, right? Mm-hmm. It was a nerd was always the dude who was corny. He was usually white, a white t shirt, white shirt, uh, pocket protector, you know, glasses with a little thing in the middle, a little calculator. He oh, was the typical. He was the typical nerd. And then nerds started becoming billionaires. Mm-hmm. And so then nerd was no longer a derogatory term. It was something that was like, oh, well, you know, you could, you know, they just threw another word in place of it mm-hmm. because nerd was, you know, that was a good thing. And it's so funny. Like, it's, it's like we lived through the same kind of trauma. Like, we both had to overcome that, you know, idea that you are less than because you want to be more than, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, Man. it's just so interesting the way that we both had to deal with that, you know? Like, personally, it was just, like, I, I had to, like, within my, I, I never had an issue with it, like, directly. Like, when people call me a nerd, it's like, okay, yeah, I know what nerds do. I know nerds make money. But then, right. it's like, okay, don't call me no nerd. Like, I'll fight you right now. Like, you know, <laughs> the disrespect, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, I know what nerds are, but you watch yeah. it. Like, don't play me, you know. 
And it's like just having to manage that and then also overcome that. You know, it's like, I don't care what you say. I know what nerds do. I know I'm making money. I know what I'm doing is right for me, my family, my community, what have you, you know? And then, like we were talking about earlier, and like TVH Parker said, it's like building that community, having someone to fuel your thinking, you know, having people to bounce ideas off of and make, you know, help you be better. And then collectively, you're better, you know? Exactly. And that's, that's a, you know, and again, you had said something a few seconds ago that I think it should be put on a T-shirt. I think <laughs> you said something like, just, uh, was it, just because I want to be more than doesn't mean I'm less than? Man, my catching game is so strong, and I'm tired of <laughs> thinking about myself. I'm about to start a whole line. Like, man, that's, <laughs> man, that hit me right there. I'm like, wait, did you say that right there? That better not have came from an Instagram post. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm talking about man that's good stuff yeah and, and and again you know going and kind of digging more into the culture you have to get like you know being black right i feel really comfortable around black people but then when i get around non-black people like in the work sense okay yeah i can function and do stuff but when you start and when having to get out of your comfort zone means like talking to him about your ideas kind of open up the criticism and that took me, you know, years to get through, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, being comfortable kind of dealing with the, another culture mm-hmm. who I don't know nothing about. They obviously have their their um, preconceived notions about my culture and that I need to be focused on, like, what I'm trying to do. But, you know, that's another hard thing that I struggle with for a very long time is, like, dealing with the opposite culture in the workplace, right? I, I, was, I was an IT guy, so I know how to fix things all the time, right? Everybody liked me, but... When it came to outside of kind of just helping people fix things with technology, I struggled hard because up here I was so programmed by all the other things that we get programmed by that, you know, those people are the enemy or they're always trying to do this to you or whatever. And, you know, there's some there's some truth to that, but there's always going to be that. And so it was that that was something that I just really struggled with. And so anybody who's especially young and black. Uh, I would, you know, never, never sell out your culture, but you have to function outside of your culture because most of us don't have no money anyways, right? Don't, there's not many black businesses that you can collaborate with. You know, we don't own no banks. You know, you still have to go outside your culture to function. And that's a difficult part because it's easy for them to just say no for you once. And I think somebody told me no once. And then I was like, oh, I ran into the corner and I didn't, you know, I didn't want to do nothing else in my life because I was like, oh, I got shut down. And so, um, those are, you know, you can go on and on about some of the, the things that our culture does to us that prevents us from being successful. And sometimes it's not even intentional, right? No one's going to tell you you're going to do this, but it's just something you maybe see on TV. Maybe you watch a bunch of certain types of movies, you listen to a certain types of music, and your mind is kind of just like programmed, and you don't even know how it's like that. It just happens. And so... Man, you just spoke my whole life, man. And, and one of the one of the most blessings is that you live in the Bay Area, right? Mm-hmm. If we look at Florida, Georgia, certain parts of Texas, mm-hmm. it will be much different. But we live in the Bay Area where there's pretty much a melting pot of every single race here, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's something that uh, kind of your, my environment has helped me because I could have grew up in a different region, uh, you know, uh, West Philly or Baltimore or something, you know, parts of Chicago where. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily a, a huge melting pot of people from all over the world, and you don't get to see different types of things. Exactly. Um, and so, yeah, that, it, that's that's a huge blessing. And so, being in the Bay Area, while it's the most expensive place you can ever live in, it is not the you know. There's a lot of bad things to say about it. The fact that people come from all over the globe to work here mm-hmm. is a blessing that you can take advantage of. That most people don't see it like that. They just see it as just other people. But these people are just they they want to help too. They want to work on something too. They want to build something too. And so that's something that a lot of young people and older people, too. It's not an age thing. It's something where everybody just kind of needs to take advantage of because uh, we're all here. You know, we have a, there's a significant economic engine in the Bay Area. Uh, California itself is an economic engine, but the Bay Area uh, is a super economic engine of the globe. So take advantage of it um, any way you can by getting out of your culture and doing stuff. Exactly. Learning about others, you know, mm-hmm. like it's. It's so crazy that you said it. Like, you really just spoke my whole life right now. Like, (laughs) like, growing up in the Bay Area, like, having to acclimate to other cultures, like, having to break down mental barriers, like, all that, man. Like, it's all of that has been things that I've had to face personally on my journey and then and overcome, you know. And then I feel like a lot of us, you know, a lot of us that are really trying to better ourselves and, you know, do more than what anybody told us was possible. I feel like that's all something that we've collectively had to face. And it's just so messed up that 
you know, we've had to face those things alone, or at least we've probably felt like we're alone when in reality we're really not. Like, not alone. You know how dope it would have been to have my brother Martin to call up when I was feeling like I had I was going through something, you know? And it's like, that's why I, this podcast exists. That's why we're here to bridge those gaps and make those connections, you know? make Let the people know that they're not alone, that there's people going through the same thing you're going through, having to deal with the same issues. And it's not your fault. That was something that I had to face too, was that I blame myself. And I looked at myself as a problem for a long time. And I had to realize that I'm not, I'm really just doing the best with what I got, you know, with what I was given, you know? And then also, like TVH Parker said, you know, there's crabs in the barrel and you got to have that level of discernment. Like, yes, there are crabs in the barrel. There are people that'll bring, that will, you know, bring you down just because they ain't trying to get to where you're going. But in acknowledging and being a part of other cultures, you see that there are also people that really want to see you grow. And then those people are especially the ones that already have the success. Like they are the, they're the ones that are already where you're trying to go and they just want to help you get there. And that's just how I've had to kind of build that discernment for myself. Like, okay, are they just talking out their ass or they really know what they're talking about? You know, cause there's some people that's just talking that'll give you some bad advice and you don't even like, you'll just be like, Oh yeah, that's what's up. And you go try to do it. And it didn't right. work out. And then you stuck mad. Like what happened? You know? Yeah, I have a thing. I have a very interesting thing about vice. I used to get so much uh, when I was stuck, and it happens sometimes to this day. But for a long time, especially at the beginnings of the business, I didn't know so much. So of course, I'm going to try to seek out as much information as possible. So I'm consuming podcasts. I'm watching YouTube videos. I'm downloading news articles. I'm talking to people. I'm getting all this information coming in, right? Like you say, advice. And it all comes down to, and, and it, it did, none of it helped because none of it translated into action. I had all this information, and all it did was just confuse me. Mm. So I had all this information, and so now, rather than get information, if I'm faced with a choice, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go left or right. Okay, I'm going to go left, and if left works, we're going to keep going left. And if left doesn't work, okay, then I'm going to go right. And if there's, an, I'm going to find keep trying something. But uh, something that really crippled me uh, twice, right, and we can go into some history, it crippled me twice to where um, I was listening to other people. And, and I wouldn't say nobody had no malicious intent, but they're giving me advice from their perspective, their situation, and everything that related to them. Mm-hmm. Nothing that they actually gave me was valuable, maybe outside of a few words, but nothing else translated to action. And so the only real advice that somebody could tell you is just go, go, start, start, go. And stop listening to me. If, that's, if anybody, if somebody says stop listening to me and just do it, that's the best advice you could ever, ever have. Because for someone who spent years, hundreds of hours watching YouTube videos, signing up for seminars, downloading this and watching this, none of it translated to actual action. And so all it did was just create a bunch of more fear because I was, you know, all it, I was like, okay, now I got all this information. Now I'm really scared because these guys are OGs or you know they're you know, experienced, and it didn't help. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a, that's a huge thing that, and I have to keep reminding myself that too all the time. I don't know a lot of things and I'm always trying to find the answer, right? I think I'm pretty smart, but that doesn't help me because I'm just like, okay, let me just do it. Let me, let me, let me throw it out there and see what happens. And then I'll keep changing it. Right. Never trying to make things perfect. Just do it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you really, like, like you said, like the best advice I ever got was just take that first step. You know, you just got to take that first step. And then what happens? You just go based off of that, you know? And I feel like that's where I got hung up a lot, too, especially when I first started out um, getting into computer science was, man, I just don't I would just always like second guess myself like, man, that's not going to work. Duh, 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 duh. So I would always be afraid to even start anything. So, like, you know, kind of like you said, I would consume I would consume so much information, knowledge, you know, entertainment. Like I just be consuming stuff, you know, mm-hmm. but then, you know. Part of, you know, I really have to thank my mom for getting me out of that consumption mentality and getting me into, okay, what can I produce? You know, what can I do? You know, and that's been a, that's been a, like a really a growing change. And then also getting, developing that level of discernment, you know, cause like you said, like everybody, you really, you really hit on something when you said they're only sharing from their perspective, you know, so like malicious or not, you know, helpful or not, you know, whatever their intentions are. It, the truth of the matter is, is that it may or may not help you. And mm-hmm. it's really up to you or the per- the learner to figure out what can they use and what can they not use, you know? Yep, exactly, man. It, it's, 
Exactly. You're saying the same stuff I'm saying, man. I'm like talking to my talking to my twin. That's what I'm saying, bro. <laughs> like I just I wish I would have known you like when I started my journey, you know? You know me now, man. That's that's the most important thing is uh you can't go backwards in time. I always say, uh they don't make time machines. So, you know, you can't go backwards, but you can go forward and that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. That's all we can do. <laughs> but um yeah, so going forward, I'm just trying to build the community, build the connections, build the support and then also share that support with the younger people that are coming behind me you know and that's a quality that i've really learned from hidden genius project you know each one teach one you know really they've really helped me develop my kind of community muscle like how can i give back to my community how can i make this so that it can help build the next person coming behind me you know and create that generational wealth, you know? Keep us, keep black people in positions of power. Keep us in positions of ownership, you know? Yep, you got to own something, man. You know, living in the Bay Area and you see these cultures and you see something very interesting. is like they, they always try to hire their own. They always try to buy their own. They're always doing something to promote what they got going on. If they have to hire, if they have to go outside their culture, they're going to get the lowest price they can. They're going to get they're going to get it at the most discount they can they can because that's how it works. Right. They, they understand how things travel in a circle. Right. Other cultures do it all the time. And so that's something that to be learned from other other cultures is um, you can you can keep it in the circle. It's not easy. It's much difficult for us because there's a lot of things going on, but it starts with the small things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And keep and that's like and I feel like that's kind of what's been lost for our community specifically, you know, is keeping establishing the circle and then keeping it within the circle you know like like tbh parker said crabs in a barrel you know we got to watch out for who we allow into our circle and make sure that they're they're going in the same direction like make sure that they're also trying to go up you know and then uh, keeping that going you know keeping I, i really feel like my focus has been trying to find the right people you know trying to Instead of having, you know, you see these big ass Instagram accounts with like trillion, billions of followers, millions of followers, but they'll have such little engagement. Like they'll have like a million followers, but a hundred thousand likes on every post, you know. And it's like I'm not super worried about the numbers, you know. I'm more worried about who I got on here. Like I'm so glad that I got my brother Martin on here dropping game, you know. And then I could have my fifty hundred followers, and if every one of them is dropping game like this. And, and helping us and pushing the movement, you know, I don't, I don't need a million people. I got a hundred strong motherfuckers right here, you know? That's good stuff. That, that's good to hear. You definitely want to pay attention to the numbers. It's something that uh, I noticed is like, okay, so I'm in meetings all the time. I'm always in somebody's meeting. Somebody creates one or I have to create my own or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when I'm, what I've learned a lot from being in other companies' meetings is they only focus on the numbers. They don't think about anything else. They will say, hey, we made a dollar less last year, so we are in the red or we are, you know, we didn't hit our target or whatever. And entire meetings of an hour, they go through hundreds of slides and different teams. And all they're talking about is the previous set of numbers compared to the current set of numbers compared to the future projected set of numbers. Mm-hmm. Different ways. And everybody just says it in different ways. And so when you think when you when you mention the fact that people have these Instagram followers, these these millions of followers and their engagement, these numbers. If you look at it from one perspective, it's like, no, I don't necessarily need all that. But if you look at it from your perspective, that's where you see it. But from their perspective, they can say, well, people only look at the numbers and that's people are have this follower herd mentality. So if I see somebody with a thousand followers and I see somebody with 10 followers, just because the numbers were programmed to look at those numbers, I'm going to kind of look at what the thousand person has more. Mm-hmm. Right. So once you kind of, once people, you know, they, you know, they generate these fake click farms or something, you know, I have some fake click farms myself. Uh, so um, yeah. And so that's how you got to see it, but you, you, you water down your, your, uh, your brand or your stuff when you do like that. So you kind of kind of make this weird trade off, right? It's like you can have a quality set of a thousand people mm-hmm. or you can just have a click farm of, you know, Indian or Chinese farm, people just clicking, clicking like all day and you can have that. And so it's like, I wouldn't call it like a sellout, but it's like, you got to trade off on who you're going to be. Are you going to be the person who's just trying to hurry up and buy the Lamborghini or are you trying to be the person who's trying to build a business that hires 20 people? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's something that I don't think you can do both. I don't, I don't, I haven't done both either, but I've seen so many people, especially just working in startups and, you know, with all these affluent people is that it's hard to do both. And usually people pick the Lamborghini route 
because that's just you know everybody makes money off of you that culture, way. Culture, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know when you when you start getting certain levels of money, everybody makes money off of you, so they're going to promote you more. Everything's going to be promoted more. If nobody can make no money off of you, that means you have to work harder, harder than anyone else. Uh, you know, if people find a way to make something off of you, they'll be like, oh yeah, come on, we'll help you. They'll give you every tool you possibly can need to get you to succeed. But if they're like, you know what, I can't figure out a way how to make money off this dude. Never mind. Okay, I don't, I don't, I don't have a way to help you. They're going to be giving you all kind of stuff. So that's the mindset that you got to really pick because, you know, you want to keep, keep true to your community or your culture, but you still want to have, you want to build something, make something. It's, it's a weird place to be in. And I've seen it many times. And I haven't seen it with mostly black Americans, black men and women. I've seen it a little bit, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. And I haven't really, I don't really know, um, you know, if they had to go outside their culture to do it or if they had to sell out or something. So I always try to, I'm always very aware of not selling out because I know what sellout looks like. I see it all the time. I work with some of these people. So um, in my mind, I'm always trying to think like, okay, I don't want to be a sellout, but of course I need to, you know, I want to have something. I want to own something to build something. I right. do want to, you know, I don't need a Lamborghini, but I need something nice. Right, <laughs> you know? right. So, yeah, that's, it's, it's, that's the way I see it. And I feel like that also, because I, I agree with you 100%, first of all, and I feel like that kind of also comes from trying to be more than where we come from, you know? Because I feel like, I feel like if I don't do a certain thing, I feel like I don't think. Okay, so personally, I've never been called a sellout, but when I'm trying to move up and when I'm trying to get to certain places, and then I feel that those negative vibes, you know, it starts to feel like, okay, am I selling out? Like I start to question myself. Like, am I selling out by not doing X, Y, or Z, or because I'm doing X, Y, or Z? And it's like, yeah, I have to tell myself, yeah, I don't want to be a sellout, but I do deserve. I feel like I deserve something nice, you know. I deserve to have what I want, right? I don't yep. need a Lamborghini, but I might have a little Tesla, some, some, you know, <laughs> right I got exactly. it set up because that's not just for me. That's for my family. You know, we got, we got other people to look out for. So, you know, you got mm-hmm. bills to pay. So, yeah, it's, and I feel like going back to whether you like are worried about the numbers or whether you're solely focused on the connection that you're building with your following, I feel like it's definitely like a balance, you know, like I feel like, especially like going forward with this podcast, I feel like that's something that I'm definitely going to have to balance, like. Okay, I want to have a strong connection with my following. You know, I want to be able to jump into my chats and just be able to talk to my people like Raw Frequencies, TVH Parker, Shirley seventy two forty. Like, I want to have that connection, but I also we also got to we also want to build something. We want to see it grow. We want to see it expand. You know, we want to see it become better. You know, so it's something we gonna have to work it out. And it's and I, I feel like it's a balance. You know. Yeah, definitely. Get out of your comfort zone, and that's really what it is, is getting out of that comfort zone. We're comfortable in our own skin every day of the week, and uh, it's much easier. Life is kind of designed for us to just do what we do, but it's not designed. And that's why you can see so many less people being successful, because it takes so much hard work. You have to do everything you don't want to do to be successful. That's pretty much what you have to do. You have to do the things you don't want to do to get the things that you want, and that's not easy. Every day, if you have to wake up at at 5 a.m., Nobody's going to want to wake up at 5 a.m. Like, you know, and it's not, you can't, you know, and nobody's going to want to work 16 hours a day and then do the same on weekends or have two jobs or nobody really wants to do that. But that's the only way you're going to get what you want. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, like you said, man, growth is never comfortable. You know, I've, I've never, I've never really gotten like anything that I wanted just by being comfortable and staying and staying in the same spot. You know, I feel like anything that I've really like valued that I've got has been through some kind of struggle, you know, some kind of, not conflict, but just discomfort, you know? Exactly. And um, going back to, there was a point I wanted to make about, I kind of forgot it now, it might come back to me, but going back to your um, business. So we actually have like seven minutes left. So they they limit us to an hour. So before we wrap up, I want to hear a little bit more about, um, your, your company, you know, what was the process of getting that together? Um, what support did you have and how, what are your next steps for that? You know? Oh yeah, definitely. So, you know, uh, starting up again, having going to having the advice of like, Oh, well you need to have a business plan, all that stuff. No. Okay. I started just by getting customers by telling people that I can help them with something they want. Mm-hmm. I'm offering a service and you can pay me. You don't need, I don't, I didn't need, it didn't know to be, didn't need a business license, didn't need any separate bank account or anything. Mm-hmm. I did that for years. 
before I got to a certain point where I'm like, maybe I should. When the tax man started really getting in my pocket, then I'm like, okay, well, let me figure out, like, maybe I do need to do this business thing because, you know, I heard that, you know, the businesses get tax breaks. Um, so, you know, again, it's all that learning by, uh, draw by fire kind of mindset. So anyways, um, I started, you know, doing that and I never, in, in, when starting the business and I still do it now to this, but I never really said no. If a customer asks me for something, if I'm there fixing their computer and they're like, Hey, can you take a look at this light bulb? And I'm like, I'm not really an electrician lady, but I'll, I'll, I'll take a look at it. Mm-hmm. That person is more apt to give me money later. Uh, or they may be say, Hey, they may, they'll tell their friends, they, you know, and they're, they're glad to tell their friends, right? They'll, they'll be proud that they tell their friends. I can't wait to tell people about you. And so that was something word of mouth, uh, was something that I really was built off of because that's all I had. I didn't have money for marketing. I didn't have money for anything else. Social media didn't exist. Or if it did, I didn't know what about it. Um, and it was just word of mouth and service, right? I always service checking on people, you know, we're not really worried. I worried about the money because the money was important. But it wasn't something like, oh, well, I'm going to charge you for every hour I work. You had to find a valuable service. Exactly. And so that was how it kind of built itself into that. And just kind of um, op- opportunistic on every opportunity where it, it, it took me a thousand, uh, not a thousand, it took me a hundred no's to get one yes. I sent out a thousand emails in one week and I get maybe 13 yeses out of that thousand. And that's ve- that's something that really grinds on me to this day because just doing something with this with the a negative result and having to do that over and over and over and over and over and over and over again until you get a result and then when you do get a yes it's like oh okay never mind i made it i clicked the wrong button like oh <laughs> you know so that's something that that uh that got me through the first couple of years it was just understanding that that was important and uh you know again having a tech background and having to work at companies like uh at&t or google i worked at um companies like simply hired uh, those companies, they started small, not small when I was there, but they started at a certain point and I got to see different levels of different types of businesses. And so, um, that is something that truly kind of gave me a leg up. It's like, I always saw how business ran from the inside. Mm-hmm. I saw how things actually ran. What you see on the outside of a company, like if you pay a company your money, you just see the transactional part. But I always got to see the inner workings of companies, and that gave me a very good uh, understanding of how I should do it. I was asking, like, how did you guys do that? Like, oh, we don't really know what we're doing. We just did this. And I'm like, you don't know what you're doing? He's like, no. And I'm like, you paid this guy $150,000 a year. He don't know either. So then I can do it. <laughs> so, yeah. And so, um, you know, nowadays, we, you know, we're coming to the 2020s, and, you know, you hear things like data is more valuable than oil, right? Like, you know. Oil was the most valuable thing since humans have been alive. And now data, these ones and zeros on a screen, your usernames, your passwords, your emails, you know, how much, you know, uh, your skin color, what kind of soda you drink, that stuff is more valuable. That's something that people really, really, really need to understand. Uh, the data of everything, everything you do creates data. And that data has value to somebody, usually marketers. Uh, but people who want to do other things, they, they want to know. Where you were at when you were doing it? How much money did you spend? How often do you spend this money? Where are you standing at this particular time at any different date? That stuff is super valuable. And you have to be able to, to succeed no matter what you're doing, right? What, what you're doing or uh, like your uncle, like he's doing a restaurant. Like the data is super important. You have to have these numbers. And if, if you just start with one, you know, you'll get to two, you get to five, you get to 10, you get a hundred thousand, but you have to understand uh, that you need more information about people and about how you do things. Your industry, whether it's good or negative, you need that data. So that's very important. Coming from a tech background, most people just look at it from a different way. It's like, no, 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 no. You need, you need some data, and you got to be able to collect it and manipulate it in the way that you can use it to monetize it. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's an industry in itself. Like people that are learning how to do that, like they're I, like I've I've read a lot of articles. I've watched a lot of YouTube videos that are saying that that's what's next up. Like having the data together like and data analysis and what is it um there's a term that i'm thinking of like uh, yeah yeah, machine learning learning. that's what it was machine learning all that is just data just kind of crunching itself and and so that's something that is very valuable to people is you know that and so now we're coming into like the 2020s with the covid and stuff 
Um, we, it's a different competitive advantage that I think that, that people don't understand. I don't understand either. I'm very confused. Um, I'm very worried myself of like, man, what is the world going to look like? You know, we're in California. We got another month of shutdown. Other states are kind of opening up a little bit. And it's a very, very odd time. I mean, I've been through a couple recessions in my lifetime and I've never seen anything like this. And uh, it, it, it doesn't mean that you just kind of lay down and just give up. Right. It just makes me think like I have to go harder. Uh, what can I do to do more? Right. It used to take me uh, 100 emails to get to response. Now it may take me 200, 300, maybe even a thousand. Now maybe I have to go. Ba- maybe I have to go backwards. I used to have to knock on doors and tell businesses like, hey, I can fix your I can fix your computer. I can secure your company. I thought I was above that when we were in good times. Now I may have to go back doing that. And that's something that's humbling where it's like I really don't want to do that because I put in so much work. But. The, the, the economic the economy has changed. Maybe I have to go back to, to grinding as if I was brand new again. And that's not easy to do or think about, but it's something that maybe you'll have to do in your lifetime. Maybe there's some other tragedy that happens that that uh, you'll have to put in all this work that I like. I put in all this work and then something happens. And it's like, damn, like you basically stripped away all the hard work I did, but I'm not going to give up. Definitely. That's I feel like that's the main thing is that you just never give up. Like that's critical. And then also, like you were saying, like you have to be flexible. Like I've really what's what's been most interesting to me about this whole quarantine and COVID thing going on is that we've kind of on a global scale, we've all had to make an adjustment. And being in the position, great thankfully I'm in the position that I'm in to where I was able to kind of bear witness to that and see how we on as a global community are adapting to this situation and i had of course i had my own methods of how i was going to adapt to it but then it's also okay how is everybody else adapting to it how are these celebrities adapting to it you know and then when you see celebrities kind of doing the same thing like they have to pivot they have to be flexible they have to try some new things you know like you see celebrities like ever since it started you've seen celebrities getting on ig live doing any old random stuff mm-hmm. on the, just to stay relevant and just to keep up with what's going on and not let what is happening stop their game stop their hustle you know and like seeing that at the at the at the global scale was just so interesting and then it also kind of made me feel a little bit good about myself because the fact that i'm running a podcast you know similar to how these celebrities are out here doing their thing i'm i feel like i'm on the wave and i feel like you know that's a good feeling it's a good feeling to have money follows attention and this is why people do this they some people do a clout chasing or mm-hmm. you know you do it for attention money follows attention and if you generate the correct attention you're going to generate the right amount of money for you and that's what these celebrities are kind of figuring out some of them have been doing it for a while you got your podcasters but money follows attention and if you have enough attention people are going to start paying attention to you saying hey why does this guy have my attention what is this so special about him what is content is he creating that makes me give him his attention Mm-hmm. And so that's something I'm learning right now, right? I just started my little podcast. I got my little YouTube channel. I've been doing my, uh, you know, uh, marketing, social media marketing, because I'm understanding the same concept too. The louder you are, the more people can listen to you, the more money you're going to end up having in your pocket. It just happens like that. That's a gem. That's a gem you just dropped. You said money follows attention. I need that mm-hmm. on a shirt. Matter of fact, I'm glad this is recorded because I'm really about to start a, a, a label. I mean, not a label. A, what, is it, what is it called? What is it called? A line? Uh, clothing line? Yeah, clothing company. Because I'm about to do it. Like, I need to expand the niche. But <laughs> we got a minute left. I, I just want to thank you so much for coming on. Like Uncle said, we definitely got to have a part two. Um, oh, yeah, we can have part two, three, four, five, six, seven. Man, all of it. All of it. Yeah, man. We can make this a recurrent thing. And definitely, Kevin, man, I really appreciate you having me on your podcast, man. You are a very well-spoken young man. Just by listening to you, you was raised with some sense. And you have have the ability to uh, influence others by your positivity, the way you think. You know, I can see this.